Would you rather every time you take a step, you earn one pence? Or every time you jump, you earn a pound? That's a great question. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the thing I like about the stepping is I just wouldn't have to change anything. <laughs> like I, I would just, just passively. So you're generally... really just seeing to the crux of the, the question, because this is effectively, you have to have a new habit to earn mm-hmm. roughly. It's, it's weighing up whether the new habit's beneficial. So I reckon, so in, on an average week, when I track my steps, I'll do about a hundred thousand steps a week. So that's 52 grand a year. If I take the steps option. Right. Passive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot Just of steps 50. as well. But it's not, my point is like, that's not me. So I might have a quiet week where I may be in, in a little bit less, but on a normal week, I'd be earning a grand a week, a grand a week, a grand a week. Yeah. And if anything, like it's incentivizing me to do 150,000 steps a week, which I think is just a great way to stay lean, isn't it? That's jumping. That's true. So, so I'd have to do a thousand jumps a week to match that. Now the question is how taxing is that? I think, you know what I'm, I've decided. It upset what you so you much. Mean? You had to leave. <laughs> take it. Take a second. Um, you go for the jumping. No, I'm not going to go for the jumping. The steps. Because I'd have to do 142 jumps a day to match. Okay. I suppose there's more longevity I just in steps. I check up doing this math right. Yeah. So 15,000 steps a day, 150 quid a day, 1p, right? Mm-hmm. 1p per step. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a little over 1,000 quid a week. Divide that by. And it's a pound a jump. Divide that by seven, be 143. So to make a thousand quid a week from jumping, it's 143 jumps a day. And I just think that's like, that's going to initially anyway, that's going to interfere with training. And you've really got to like plan that in. So steps, please. Okay. When does it start? I, I, does it start? I can, is it, can I start from today? Yeah, if you want to. I, I can see your rationale with that. There, there is actually an app that, allows you to, to do that. Um, oh yeah. Like is it sweat coin? Yes. Sweat coin. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's still going because someone must've found a way to, to hack it. They made their own like currency, didn't they? Their own coin, but there wasn't actually a currency. It would, it was only, you could only use it to like get discounts for things. Like popcorn at Odeon cinema or like money off life insurance, which is like, Hmm, interesting. Well, that, that's um, the, what are they called? Vitality, health insurance. Mm, I think they give it. you like an Apple Watch, and I think you get the Apple Watch heavily discounted or free if, as long as you do a certain number of steps. Which is so clever because it's like Very how much. do we give everybody life insurance and reduce their risk of of a drawdown in the life insurance policy? It's, for it's policing the possible. Yeah, like the the numbers must must work well in their favor to for a free Apple watch. Like it's, well, I think it's just illustrating how well the numbers work in favor of insurance companies. Mm. <laughs> like, It's such a, it's a model that's like recession proof 
it doesn't really like you don't enter an economic downturn and everyone suddenly cancels their like contents insurance on the house yeah and insurance. even when it comes to payout time like there was a there was a thing recently like when they looked back on the guy who bought the world trade center like two weeks before it got hit right and he took out a like something like an eight billion insurance policy mm -hmm. and then he claimed on it but they tried to claim that it was it was one attack and not two separate ones and then he only got a payout of like 4.6 billion or something um it's a small print gets you yeah exactly and then obviously there's all these theories of like why would you take out a policy on a building like well no if you buy a building like that you're going to take out a policy on it um <laughs> i love that wonky rationale like it must be his fault because he yeah. insured the billion dollar building that he bought what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, the story that I, I love that I really hope is true is the, like the person at Wimbledon who like really fought to get the pandemic insurance and they were paying these huge premiums yearly and they oh, were like, and then he's no, just you're like... an idiot. I think it was after SARS or something like that. Something that affected mm. like sporting events. Um, and they were like, I just think we should pay for this pandemic insurance. I think it's the right thing to do really expensive every year and then i think this is just what i've heard anyway i think the year of covid wimbledon grossed more from the insurance payout than on a year they would normally operate it's like all these other sporting venues are <laughs> struggling and he's just got a big old scoop if i told you so just slap well, it on the, the table the memes where they play like the kirby enthusiasm music over them or yeah. like the um they're like gangster glasses and the like it's that it's that, it's that exact situation isn't it where you're just so pleased with yourself <laughs> yeah you would be you'd just be like swaggering into the office just like, <laughs> hey guys <laughs> goodness me so speaking of which speaking of which i think my answer would be the, the skips because i'd just take up what? skipping do it as a warm-up oh i suppose you're gymnastic -y, aren't you I, I just think, think I'm like, the I'm the human on the bicycle in this example. Okay. Slow and steady wins the race. I think it would get to Sunday of week three and I'd be like, how many steps did you do yesterday? And you'd be like, well, I was out all day, so not many. Well, how many jumps did I do? How many, sorry, how many jumps? Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> I did 16,000 steps. Didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. There's a real appeal to the passive income element of, of what you're what you're suggesting well, there i think you're but you you usually say that you feel like your steps are too low so i guess you're in the situation where like you've got to pick to start doing one of them the, uh, so that there's a good point you've actually you've nailed it that might so i think two days ago i did about 200 steps oh my god <laughs> which yeah. will have just been me walking to the bathroom in my house so it's for me, I'd have to add a habit either way. And I'm thinking, well, what's the most profitable habit? How many but steps do you think you do in a day before you reach like total skeletal total exhaustion. failure? <laughs> Just going to look at my lifetime PB and then dear listeners, I promise. Oh, sorry. I mean, I mean, jumps. I keep saying steps. I mean, jumps. Okay. Um, so say you're awake for. Well, the, the lifetime PB steps is still, still actually a, um, an important feature isn't it let's say you're awake for 16 hours feasibly and you do 20 an hour i think you should do 20, 20 an, an hour. hour yeah like i'm talking about 
Ah, okay. 20 an hour, I feel, would be doable. I feel like I could do that now. Jumps. Very doable. I think you're way jump. underestimating. Like, with a skipping rope. So I'm thinking, like, jump squats. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then... But you're right. If we're thinking skipping, like, 60 an hour is very realistic. It would just be between Pomodoros. You just do a couple of minutes of skipping. Okay. Um, I so, can't oh, find it, a day where I've done more than 20,000 steps. And even I think that, I've done, I've had like one day where I've done 30,000, but that, I mean, that's exhausting. But my rule is, as when you get over 20,000, you feel it the following day, generally from like a fatigue perspective. So like over 20,000 steps a day starts to actually impact your training. Yeah. Less yeah. than that. You can sort of get away with it. Maybe a little bit, a little bit sore the following morning, but you're okay on 15,000. You might twenty five thousand half an hour or something. Yeah. It just mm. feels really good for you. It's like eating vegetables and drinking water. And it's like the, the old school advice of like, how do you stay healthy? It's just do a lot of steps. Well, so the, this is one of the, the few segues, segues, which well, applies here. One second. Which is, yeah. So I think you've convinced me on the, on the jumps. No, we'll go back to the segue. But I think you might have convinced me on the jumps. Oh, really? It's a hundred times more though. That's that's the difficult part. But I, I, I do get your rationale. I, yeah. So I'm thinking of like below parallel jump, below parallel jump. Oh like, my god! Yeah, but if you were doing, <laughs> if you did sixty jumps, 60, 60 skips an hour during an eight-hour workday, and you did that just during the working week, that's two and a half grand a week. And that's for a minute of exercise. Four hundred a week. That's a hundred and twenty-five grand a year. So you can have days off doing that protocol. Quite a few days off, and you're still gonna more than double what I generate by just passively walking. The question should is who just... wins over a ten year period. Yeah. Well, should we go and find like a Saudi prince to sponsor us doing <laughs> this activity? <laughs> There's so many of these discussions that I think if someone at Netflix was a thought a little bit out of the box and we we pitch one of these ideas to them i think it would do really well oh, as a it would series make for a ridiculous tv show if it was if it was us doing it as well <laughs> so i think that and could you and i get a like sailing boat out of the tyne i don't know whether you remember just me discussing oh, that oh yeah like there's a sailing boat in the tyne and we're just put on board can we get it to sail out of the mouth of the tyne or not be like a 1 hour special like before the um mountain rescue and nautical police come and get us and so i think the, the, the to start the episode on high drama there would just have to be like oh what men, are you guys doing two <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say like two air ambulances just heading over the time bridge <laughs> and i'm going like can anyone see where they are can anyone see where they are <laughs> <laughs> and then January 2023 and it's oh. like me like waking up and making a coffee and going like well we've agreed to do this I think it would do really well that's, if anyone from Netflix is listening we're keen we're keen to do yeah. if you're interested sign us up <laughs> speaking of that someone will have to man the email inbox in the meantime though um <laughs> So, Back on the segue. 
One very common thing that we hear from personal trainers that we speak to is a frustration that clients, particularly higher end clients that pay more in person, have this attitude of, well, it's the magic hour. You're going to handle all of my health and fitness during this hour. And then I can go home and eat whatever I want. And it's your fault if, if I don't make results. I really feel for them because it's like they're paying a decent rate, but. I think so. I think that's results. the problem, isn't it? It's the fact that they're paying a decent rate. Because if you pay, like, let's say you pay 50 pounds an hour, three sessions a week, every month, like you're really throwing, you're like, I really want to lose weight. This is, I'm really trying to throw money at this problem. You're paying 600, 500, 600 quid a month on weight loss. I think you, because, because if you were hiring an accountant or a lawyer or seeing a doctor or like paying a plumber per session or per day or per hour, the more you pay, you expect kind of a better result from that. But with, you're right that with personal training, like what does the session, the PT session actually do for the goal? Not that much really in the scheme of things. The difference between a lackluster 30% session and mm. absolutely binning someone like you might cause a bit more muscle stimulus, but if their calories are way off target or yeah, if the rest of their recovery and you know, the, the classic, like the other 23 hours of the day are bad. If you've got a step count like mine. <laughs> yeah. So here's the question then. So if, if like, so if you ever had a PT session, have you ever been PT'd by somebody in the gym? Yeah, but informally. Okay. So I think, I think I've done it twice. One of them was Marquis, which was, <laughs> that, that was a hell of an experience. So I think what they add is like a adding more volume and more weight than I would have done if I'd been left to my own, on my own devices. But if I was, if Marquis wrote me a program, Marquis, by the way, for people who don't know, is like a very no nonsense, very, very strong Irish powerlifter who benches 230. Overhead press is 140. It's the overhead press that's impressive, isn't it? It's, the, it's a three-plate overhead press. It's crazy. Those are kilos. Um, I, th I think he's done a 160 push press. Oh, um, my God. Dre yeah. Like dressed as Santa or something yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I remember he used to do like a Christmas Day special session. And you'd like snatch 100 kilos for reps for fun, dressed as the Hulk or something like that. Yeah. Um, but if he'd written the session, like the loads, the sets, the reps, and that was what I had to do, and either he was there or he wasn't there. And I just did the session regardless. He's not adding any more mechanical tension to the experience. He's just kind of encouraging me to finish the work. And so there's kind of, there's two outcomes, isn't there? One is that the PT's existence in the session adds work that wouldn't have otherwise been there, which I think is like a programming problem or they add like motivation to finish the session, which is like a problem with the person. <laughs> So either way, they're like ensuring that a certain amount of workload is done basically, or that someone doesn't get injured as well. True. But the, I think that is exactly where the problem lies as well, that yeah. if, if you are there for motivation and then when you're out of sight, out of mind, back to the unhealthy lifestyle and then being like, oh, this PT is shit. I'm not making any results. Like that. Yeah. And then the, the, the implication is that you have failed as a PT very frustrating because you're doing the absolute best that you can in that hour's session mm -hmm. 
and you reminding them during the time, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z outside of this. But so that's where online coaching is infinitely more satisfying because yeah. you've got the big picture dashboard of someone's someone's life, basically. Um, I'm sure the the step beyond that is hybrid coaching, where then you've got the intercession and the intercession <clears throat> overview as well. The only problem with that is you're still geographically limited. Yeah. So like, I think that is the best case scenario. So, but to truly do that, you've really got to price that appropriately. So the problem with in-person PT is you're kind of not incentivized to do the other stuff. So assuming, assuming you are, you are pricing per hour and not per block or per month or something like that, your incentive is to like deliver a really good session and get the person to renew and like make sure that they don't get injured and discuss nutrition maybe at the end. But the rest, like the 23 hours of the day that that person experiences that is not that one hour in the gym with you is really where they're failing but if you're doing eight hours a day as a pt when do you fit the support time in for those people like you get home and then do eight you know eight clients of nutrition coaching and support and all that sort of stuff hybrid's best case but you can still only work with people in like 10 miles of your local area who are willing to see you i think that's where a lot of the stuff that you know the, the classic law are uh, nutrition is 80 percent of progress and training's 20 percent, or and people arguing over this it's really because the experience as an online coach is that 80 percent of the adherence difficulties that people have tend to be around nutrition yeah Mo most coaching clients will at least turn up in the gym and hit most of their sessions but it's yeah. the nutrition that they struggle with and understandably because there's so many more decision points throughout the week every time you eat a meal, there's a chance to fail. So of course it's going to be harder to stick to long-term. Well, and the, I don't know how much you'd have to pay to have somebody like doing the PT in the gym equivalent every meal to like be with, like you having to pay for a personal chef or like a, you have to be a celebrity training for the latest James Bond, don't you? To get that sort of that level of um, coaching and, and accountability. Um, I think some of this as well is the sort of person that seeks out face-to-face -face PT and the sort of person that seeks out online PT. So you and I both hired Eric Helms 2012, 2013, maybe mm -hmm. something like that. Now at the time, neither of us were having any issues training four days a week. Like I think in that period of my life, I never skipped a session. It was like an absolute no, no that I would skip a session or that I wouldn't track my macros within plus or minus five grams. Yeah. And I, if anything, I knew too much. And you were the same. Like we, we, our level of understanding was too, com too complex for what we were trying to do. I think. That's important to, to note. If you're, if you're a PT and you're looking to get into online coaching and you're thinking, Oh, I don't want to have just more of these people that I'm getting who aren't really motivated long-term. And, and then I've, I haven't even got the, that hour with them to kind of, keep them keep them on top of things don't worry it's a different group of people that you'll have access to mm -hmm. because immediately they've self-selected to go out and seek you online and they know that online coaching doesn't involve someone being in the gym with them so that it's it's a slightly different market different kind of person anyway and what you're doing is the big picture accountability and so you you will by default you'll just get more satisfying people to work with anyway because they that they're, they're there to to be accountable to you um yeah. one of the, the 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 big contrasts that i experienced 
going from like dealing with patients, particularly in primary care, where they're they're generally well and functional, you know, they're not hospitalized, but the lifestyle stuff is like for them, they've come to the doctor because they have to. They've got to the point where they need to and and they're not really invested in it. They're not paid for it at the point of delivery. And so for them, they're just like, oh, you know, just give me the pill, let me get out of here. Compare that to the kind of people who sign up for online coaching. They're so motivated and ready to go the extra mile. And they're they've literally they've put their money where their mouth is and they're an absolute pleasure to work with. I guess it's the it's like the person who is referred to the physio by the GP versus the person who's paying like <laughs> 60 quid for the appointment which one do you think is going to do those band rotation (laughs) things yeah like i think most physios i've been to are always like i love working with like powerlifters or strength athletes or because they they do the sideline clamshells yeah (laughs) because they're they're here because it's like how do i i'm worried i'm not hitting depth on my squat what do i do or like I've tweaked my adductor, I need to go back to training. You just tell me what to do. Don't don't you worry about me doing it. I'll definitely do it. It's two very different attitudes. This is the person who like only do it when their back's really painful because they've been referred by a GP and all that sort of stuff. So I think that the only time in maybe in history where people like PTs of, in fact, it just will be the only time in history where, where PTs have experienced maybe being like forced to experience online coaching and clients have been forced to experience online coaching is during COVID and 2020 when people had to take the offline client archetype and do online coaching with them. And what that person wants is the zoom class in the living room, making sure that like they do all 10 squats <laughs> or making sure they do the full session. And so that's what I think a lot of PTs came out of COVID thinking that's what online coaching is and actually it's boring. Like I'd rather do that in the gym with someone than have to fashion a dumbbell out of two bottles of water and, and all this sort of stuff. But most people who want online coaching don't want the the Zoom class in the in their living room. They're already going to the gym. It's what do they do when they're there? And they're confused as to why they're why they're not making progress. Yeah. Last episode we we talked about this error that PTs make of just taking all of the the offline model and trying to transplant it online and then missing out on all of the the benefit and the juice in leverage and big picture accountability and all of that stuff that you get with with online coaching. If you've followed us for a while, you'll know that we are big on mid-ticket pricing for online coaching, which we define as roughly 50 to 150 pound per month um, for your kind of group coaching program. And this isn't necessarily, well, this, this, this is kind of by design, kind of accidental that that selects for people who are in it for the long game mm-hmm. because they know that fitness is a long-term game. They, it's something that they can comfortably pay for long-term and not feel like it's a four grand for a, a six week booty blaster. And that'll sort me out. And then I don't have to worry about it again. And the numbers yeah. reflect that. When we look at the analytics for our business, Johnny went deep into the matrix of the the um, Stripe analytics, and and we've reliably found that the people who are on the mid-ticket programs are the highest lifetime value, and they get the best results. So it's the best for them, and it's the best for us. Yeah, and I think it it also respects the fact that the sort of people we're talking about here, so the people who are already training, already doing something with nutrition. Or you maybe listen to a podcast, already buying supplements, 
and they're like, they're not getting results. And this is a, like a top three priority for them. And they think I need an online coach to help me. And you say to them, it's four grand for 12 weeks with me. They'll just go somewhere else. Cause they know that it's not for, they're not paying for the magic information. They're paying for like, I've got too much of the magic information. I don't know which of it to pay attention to. And I don't, I need someone to stop me from program hopping over the next six months. That's not a four grand problem for that person, but that person will pay 150 quid a month for three years because they get it. They get like what they're paying for. And that, that still ends up being very similar, like very high lifetime value, but for a different reason. If, if I was working with a coach, I'd, I'd want six months with them or 12 months with them. I wouldn't want 12 weeks because I know that mm -hmm. like, even if they're amazing, the 12 months working with an average coach is going to get you much better results than 12 weeks of working with an amazing one. Yeah. Physiologically. It's, it's so it's just rate, rate limited, isn't it? Yeah. That's the trouble. I think, uh, to sell someone something for, and this is like getting into the, what's the problem with high ticket. So to sell, to sell something to someone for, you know, three, four grand for 12 weeks or something like that, what that person has to think they're buying is something that enhances the rate of progress that, that, that is otherwise possible. So like if, if we are 150 quid a month and we give someone a progressive training plan and a calorie deficit and discuss things about sleep and habits and lifestyle, and that costs this person for the same amount of time, 450 quid at 150 pounds a month versus four grand. The person has to have been marketed and sold to such that they believe that what they are getting is way more than that, like 10 times the rate, which is just not possible physiologically. You're, you are rate limited at how much fat loss can happen, how much muscle gain can happen. So it's like a, it has to be a different sort of person, either someone who's got so much cash that it doesn't really matter that like they just want the best, what is perceived to be the best, or it's someone who's being driven by pain and by this big promise to put it on a credit card and think that they're buying the magical information. Because That's it, what didn't sit well with us ethically is yes. that because of, because of the way that's set up and it's the kind of person that wants the handholding and they're buying on emotion and they're looking for the, the, really the magic pill solution that just fixes their problem in 12 weeks. And I don't have to worry about my health again and all this stuff that the only way to sell to those people is not through logic. It's through like a, a horrible manipulative sales script with twisting their nipples on the phone and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it, it's just not, it, it's not good for anyone. Like you, it's, it's a highly manual way to get some upfront cash from someone who doesn't really stick to the program and probably regrets it or has put it on credit card. And it it's, and then you've got to deliver on this like massive, massive price that you've charged and the, the, the whole, the whole thing just breaks down. Whereas someone who signs up with you knowing that it's a long-term thing and they turn up and they just, they do the reps each week. Mm. And then in six months time or 12 months time, they're, they've made big leaps and bounds of progress in their physique. And that's what sells them onto staying with you because they've got the result. I, that just feels like a much more grounded and resourceful way to work with someone. Well, and from a business perspective, it's also more stable, more predictable, more reliable. You don't need complex sales calls. You don't need pushy funnels. You don't need all these things. I think it, you have to though, as a coach be like, you have to believe, I, I think that you and I are sold on this idea that largely 
the like what works is fairly homogenous person to person like it's not someone doesn't really they might need some customization but someone doesn't really need the bespoke like magical nutritional intervention most of the time unless someone's got like a medical reason or something like that in which case they probably shouldn't be going to an online coach for it Mm -hmm. but so it's like bottled water right like i've just had this experience in honeymoon where everywhere sells fiji water bottles which is like bottled from rainwater in fiji it's super expensive and so it's like that's the same as a bottle of or very similar to a bottle of like tesco value crinkly plastic still a bottle of water like they're they're the same thing but probably one is a hundred times the price in terms of of a comparison both are bottled water both will quench your thirst both will hydrate you like they're achieving the same result the difference is like marketing and hype and perception so that's really what is happening when you you know when people say oh you've got a mindset problem you've um you should be selling your coaching for more ultimately it's just what you're being you're being told to sort of manipulate an impression but the core product is very very similar and why is water why are water bottles not sold for a grand a pop at least not that i'm aware of it's because it's an abundant thing it's everywhere right that there's a lot of supply of it in the market and so there's a limit to what can happen with the price and there's the same thing here like if you are the person in five years time who is still trying to charge four grand for your service and everyone else is charging 100 quid unless you're phenomenally good at marketing, you're the one that's going to struggle. But everyone else takes the attitude that there's, there's billions of people in the world. There's enough for me to have my couple of hundred online clients paying hundred quid a month without it really impacting the market. So I'm just going to go down that route and I'm going to build that over time. But this is becoming a, a pricing discussion rather than, <laughs> but I think that we're saying the same thing. Yeah. They're it's, two it's, different it's, types of people. It's a great analogy. And, and don't worry, like you will, you will find clients. It's not a, you know, the, the, the 4,000 pound thing is kind of a scarcity of like, oh, well, you know, I'm only going to get a few leads, so I better bag them at the highest price I can. Well, why do they only have a few leads? Hmm. Cause they're trying to grow their Instagram. That's <laughs> <laughs> true though, isn't it? Like the whole thing's built on scarcity. Like if you only get two inquiries a week, then, and you get one of them on a call, bloody well better grab as much revenue from them as possible and then you couldn't possibly add that person into like a systematized product because they've just paid three grand so you better work with them one-to-one like it's all sort of a symptom of itself which if you flip it and make the market make your program a symptom of the fact that it's mid-ticket recurring and you want someone to stay for two years things start to align very differently because suddenly there's a lot of emphasis on what the program looks like what the coaching looks like what the systems look like and you know also what the goal setting process looks like and how honest you are with the person. Like we're not going to achieve the best result possible in 12 weeks, but we might do it in two years if you stick around with me. And that, again, that person is probably different to the person, the people that you generally work with Monday to Friday in the gym. If you're like a, if you work in a pure gym, the people who are going there and working with you as a PT want something a little bit different than what a traditional online coach will deliver. And we can talk about that next week, actually, because I feel like there's a lot in there, which is mm. people working as PTs and thinking, oh, well, I have to use the, I have to work with the same niche online. Yeah. And actually it's not the case. It's, it's, it's not just, you don't have to, it's that you, you must niche down differently. You should, online. you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so many people we speak to say like, I've got 
you know, I work with like five or six different types of people offline. I don't know which one to pick. Even that's too constrained because online it could be, it could be anybody, literally anybody. So why limit yourself to just the people who live in your local town, who happen to be in your gym, who happen to work with you? Why not think like, who would I be best served to work with? Who would I love working with? But that's a separate podcast. Lovely. I'm going to go and start, I'm going to go and get a skipping rope and start doing some jumps. I'm going to go and walk the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the whippet that you borrowed. Yeah. Have you borrowed a whippet? I actually have. Let me, let me just. Is it with you now? I'm, no, so I had him yesterday. Oh, wow. I'm going to show you some pictures of him because I think he is lovely. <laughs> you should just get a whippet, man. I should. But what you should get is an Italian greyhound. A little oh, yeah, Italian an whippet. Italian greyhound would be good. Looks so chill. Look at this guy. He is <laughs> a total G. What I really like about whippets and greyhounds is I think their demeanor, it comes across to me as it's, it's like, it's like Tom Martin walking into a gym. <laughs> it's like, they know, they know that no one's faster than them. <laughs> Like they don't need to, they don't need to like bark at stuff and have this attitude. It's like, look guys, if we, re if you really want to chase that rabbit, I'll, I'm going to win. I'm so fast twitch. You won't even believe like I'm so glycolytic. It's... They, they, they look like they're running slowly. Their action, like it's not a fast turnover, but it's the power and the coverage in each run. It's, in each, it's each like, stride, stride, stride length, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they've just really maxed it out. So the, I saw a video yesterday of like a new world record for a hundred yard dash for a, a greyhound. <laughs> and it just, it looks like it's floating. Yeah. looks like its feet never touch the floating, ground. We're just kind of doing that. Yeah. And yeah, it's crazy. Have you seen, have you ever seen a, an Italian greyhound? You know what I mean? Like the, the, the tiny ones. Tiny ones. Yeah. That, that like really going at it. You've it got to slow them down gently though, because if they decelerate too fast, <laughs> they can break their ankles. Oh my God. The, I, I think they are some of the funniest dogs to watch. They're truly ridiculous. So a <laughs> uh, famous YouTuber called Jenna Marbles. don't know if you, if that's familiar, no. she had an Italian greyhound and that was like part, one of her kind of signature things. <laughs> and she'd always, you know, put it in stupid clothing and, you know, ho hold him up and make him do that. And do silly things. Yeah. When we took Dexter to puppy classes, there was a puppy Italian greyhound there. And it just used to like, so it's on like a, it's in like a community hall. So it's on like a fairly slippy floor. <laughs> and this greyhound just used to like, you know, it's like, oh, like winding everywhere. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, there's just too much power in the legs to sort of maintain the traction. So it's just doing like 30 steps for every meter that it's covering. But it just looks so funny. Like his tire tread was getting too thin, but he had a really powerful <laughs> engine. <laughs> well, I look forward to the day that your, your whippet arrives. I'm ready. Do you feel close to doing 